Coming up, Matt does his workshop and loses his voice. I go climbing and wonder why social media works the way they work. Assignment desks, a bit too literal. Uh, masterclass, we're going to be shooting into the sun. Greatest picture ever, ever, ever made. Episode 71. You cannot be serious! That ball was on the line! And ladies and gentlemen, Elvis has just left the building. This is Ryu Vocal. Howdy, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Flash Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audio-visual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash blfs and show us how much you love us. That is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blfs. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. So, off to news. Matt Cohen. News. Here news, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because we're egomaniacs. It's April, no? Uh, I feel like last time we actually... Was it, it was really bad March, for us. yeah. It's been six We'll talk weeks. about April, March, April. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. Best and worst. I didn't have any bad shoots at all. Uh, I was a busy, busy, busy month. I was on the road basically the whole time since we recorded last. Four rodeos, and I did two days of workshops. Workshops were amazing. There were a couple of people who were BLF, BLFSers before, which was kind of cool. Like, I didn't know them, and they weren't rodeo people. Mm-hmm. And they showed up and, you know, had no idea what rodeo was. And it was cool. I got to explain to them the difference between horses and bulls and (laughs) the different events. Um, The basics. Yeah, the basics. But it was amazing. Like, for reference, the arena where they were bucking bulls, it's a circle really only about 30 yards in diameter. So I had people basically just spread out, like some behind the chutes and some along the fence on one side and some along the fence on the other side. So basically everybody was all around. Bulls are 15 feet, 20 feet away from the fence and bucking their riders off. And I have pictures of the bulls bucking with these students in the background, like freaking out about it. So that part of it was really cool. It it wasn't like training ground. Like I kind of thought that it was going to be like training ground, but it really wasn't because there was no ego involved in it at all. Like everybody knew that they were there to get better. So nobody was arguing like, they're trying to argue their way out of a bad picture or something. It was just, how do I make this better? Like, where should I have been? How did you do this? So it was great. It was really one of the best experiences that I've had in photography. And I'll definitely be doing it again. I had, I think, 11 total people and a few of them did both days. So it was full. Okay. It was good. People came from uh, as far away as Florida and Washington State and uh, Montana Okay. I haven't heard one negative thing about it from anybody, and I've asked. Um, mm. I'm probably going to do like a post about it and maybe include some anecdotes and some examples of pictures that people did, but 
not to turn this into an extended commercial for my workshops because I don't even really have another one scheduled yet, but I'm going to. It was a great experience. And if you like training ground and you maybe would like it if it was a little bit less mean, that's really what it ended up being. Okay. Did you shoot any videos? So like you, that's, you seem to be doing stuff. And... <laughs> I think, yeah, the only video that we have is of me riding the bull riding dummy. I was unprepared for documenting my own workshop, but I think I'll probably do that in the future. But anyway, yeah. it was really good and there'll be more information on it later on. And it was very rewarding. Um, in actual rodeo news, I don't know, maybe don't try to shoot every day for a month. That is probably not the best idea ever. No. Um, but that's my life. Speaking of which shooting every month i'll be going to russia for the world cup and i'll be basically doing that for the first two weeks but it's not every day because i'll probably just die because of the fact that you have to move every day and all that kind of stuff i don't think we're gonna record before i go to russia maybe we will huh? you know what let's yeah let's make sure we do because but in case we don't by the time this podcast is out i'm going to have a website that will eventually go to the Kickstarter thing. That will be nohands2.com. So N-O-H-A-N-D-S-2, like the number two, .com. And uh, I'll be making another book. Um, all the information will actually be available over there so you can have a look. As for the bad, good and the bad, the bad is that I didn't get the accreditation for Liverpool, no, Roma-Liverpool, so second level of the Champions League. That sucks because I bought tickets and everything as well, so... I, that's a lot of money as well that's just down the drain the good shoots were the climbing stuff i've done now the first two world cups because world cup is a series it's not like world cup like it's a big one event this is a world cup series it's like seven competitions in the entire season and i shot one in meidingen which is in switzerland and one in moscow so i like to go to moscow a lot these days and um, yeah i went over there and did the thing what was really interesting is that you get a lot more followers shooting um, climbing than do you do football, which to me is quite amazing because football, like it's it's billion times more popular than than, than <laughs> climbing. But I think the yeah. community is probably so small that any photos and everything else, like people are just gonna pick up and they start following you. So I had so many people follow me in the pa- in the past two competitions only, and I thought, man, this is like. It's really weird, like how the whole social media thing works, you know? It's not. It, no, it's that's exactly it. Like when there's a small community, they're they tend to be more dedicated. Um, you know, and this is a good lesson about choosing what to shoot, right? Because when I started shooting, I was shooting conventional sports: football, basketball, baseball, hockey. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and you did rodeo. You know, yeah, but it wasn't until. I started shooting rodeo that that I started to become as popular as I am and certainly get the number of followers that I have. There are guys who I know who are great photographers who shoot for maybe the local paper here or a wire, you know, who are right now shooting NBA playoffs and who are doing great work. But, you know, you look at their followers and they have 1,500 followers and they're shooting the most popular athletes in the world. Mm. I'm shooting people that nobody have ever heard of and I have over 70,000 Instagram followers. So, you know, it's, it's very distorting when you're in a small specialized community like that. And the lesson is not how do you get more popular on social media? It's how can you make, you know, how can you make waves in a pretty big ocean? And that might, part of that might be 
finding a smaller pool to to get in where the things that you do might get noticed more and so it's not surprising at all that climbing makes you more popular than than top level football does so like rodeos like climbing with bulls no? yeah yeah well you know one day yeah. we'll combine i just thought it was just like really interesting like it's it's a interesting social media experiment you know i did that and because i had like I'm just kind of derailing a bit, but a couple of months ago, like I had a very famous football player called Mark Tershtegen who plays for Barcelona. He's a goalkeeper there. He used my photo and credit, and I thought like, oh, I'm going to get a lot of photos. I got basically no, not, not how it works. It used to be if somebody famous posted one of your pictures and put your username in there, that that was a few thousand for sure. But it, people already follow a ton of people, so deciding to follow one more person is more of a decision now than it used to be. I'm just not gonna like sh- shoot any more famous people in my life. I'm just I'm, I'm done with it. Done for me and um yeah, now we actually told you what happened the past couple of months. We will see you on the next episode. We give you an assignment and you show us if you've been listening, don't doze off and show us that you've been an attentive student or a bad one. So last month we asked you to well last episode, we asked you to shoot something that is airborne or impact like very sports photography ish type of thing and the reason doing so is that to give you guys a bit of a break (laughs) no it's like at least kind of like make sure that you guys kind of do your shit because otherwise you know you're just gonna like say oh this is too difficult or whatever it's too complicated don't really do your stuff and that's not really what you know we are here to do but also we're actually not here to actually make it easy for you either in any case we did ask you to do it we got some um hits really or we got some people actually doing their assignment and here they are and all the glory all the jumping all the impacts so i'm just gonna have a look at which one actually is interesting like i'm just like looking at it in general like i just always kind of feel that you like you guys literally like take like our literal words and just put it into the picture and then just gonna forget about the rest you know that always is is i don't know how like it's just like only like a one-way street going into your brain it's like oh they want us to shoot impact or airborne so i'm just going to forget about everything else about the picture like whether or not it's a shitty picture or not and the problem is that there are a lot of shitty pictures here you have to think about it a bit more what does it mean that is airborne like yeah it's uh you know feet off the ground and that's airborne but then you have to make it into a very interesting picture. And unfortunately, Th- this is all literal. If you wanted to explain somebody what the word literal means, you would say, okay, Man Ryu told everybody to go out and take pictures of people jumping up in the air and banging into each other. And this is what it is. And then like the, the opposite of that would be, be, you know, like putting any thought into it or any kind of artistic point of view or anything like that. When we give you an assignment, it's not so that you can only do like the the point of it isn't to as narrowly do the assignment as you can, because if that was true, then you could just like take a picture of your husband or wife or something like that jumping up in the air and then you would have an airborne or you could have like somebody running into a, a beanbag chair or something like that for impact. Like that would be like literally what we were asking you for, but don't get too fixated on what the assignment is because it's still sports photography. You still need to tell a story. You still need to show people being athletic. You still need to make it interesting. You still need to justify the ask 
of the people's time who are looking at your pictures. And what we're seeing here really isn't any of that. What does that mean operationally for how you go out and shoot? It means you want to keep in the back of your mind, yes, I, I want to be in that competition, so I want to have an airborne picture. I want to have an impact picture. But it doesn't mean that you're sitting there only taking pictures when something happens that's in the air. And it doesn't mean that anything that is in the air is good and anything that isn't in the air is bad. It just means you're trying to get a picture that demonstrates somebody flying through the air or impacting. But what we have here is just, it just looks like you're going out there to try to check a box. None of these pictures, or not very many of them, look like you're trying to do anything. Yes, you've cleared the bar. Yes, can you say somebody is airborne or somebody is impacting in these pictures? Yes, you can, but what else do you have? Is it still a good picture? No, most of these are not. I would say that the closest one here is Reed's. I would say that the reason for that is that he has a good moment of, you know, usually you expect to see either the bar that they're going over still on the poles or completely out of the way. But right now it looks like you're expecting it to still be there. When I first saw this picture, I thought, oh yeah, that he's clearing it. But then you look and it's like that pole is not attached to anything and he's going over it. So it's good that Reed got close to it and it's a really good moment that he got and it's not really badly executed except for the background. So he made it all the way and then just at the very end got tripped up by stuff that's really not his fault except for the fact that this is where he decided to be. So you have to take that. The rest of these, I can't say that any one of these is even worth the time to to look at it. Can you say any, any of these? There's a lot more airborne than impact so i thought impact would be a lot easier to do but that's quite a split second thing and if you don't get it, you don't really get it airborne is a lot easier this should have been an easy one it should have been common you know like people jump people jump in the air and run into each other all the time i'd like to talk about alvaro's for a second because this is one that could have been good but the problem is he's too far away from it like if this had been way closer and you would have had more detail and by detail i mean being able to see the grass that's stuck in between the studs on their shoes and the fiber of their socks. Like if you had been that close to it, you would have had a better background. You probably wouldn't have had that white line going through there. And it would have been like a more abstract picture, but way more interesting because of the texture involved. And that's something that's important is that the closer you are, the more those things will be able to help you. The, the 3D nature of it and the texture of it and the impact of how close you are and being able to see those little details. As you move away, the picture really has to be much better because you're losing all of those fine details. And if the picture doesn't support it, it's not going to work. And that's what we have here. It's that he could have, it wouldn't have been a great picture, but it just would have been so much more visually appealing if he had been closer to it. But because he doesn't have those details, it's not at all. You know, that's that's the funny thing about it is that he had the idea of having an interesting angle. But what you have to recognize is what's going on in the background and how, you know, like, can you get lower than that? Or can you move a couple feet one way or the other to, you know, to fix the background? So, I mean, this would be, if you were, if you were like right at the edge of that, like, I don't know how much closer you could have been or whatever, but... If you had been, I don't know, 18 inches lower and shooting up, you would have you would have had this scene against a blue sky and, and the clouds, you know, and that would have been that would have been amazing. Scott, you know, this is like seeing those pictures and we've seen, you know, the lighting in that one cool gym. This is fine. Like we know that you can do this, like freezing the action like this or whatever. But what do we have? 
like all the action is going away from us and the faces are going away from us and we're just seeing like the tops of heads or whatever and the background that's not we know that you can freeze the action we know that you have a sense for when the timing is but you also need to edit better to know you know if you're not seeing their faces and there's not something crazy going on in a great background then that's a throwaway right If you wandered onto this particular podcast by accident, you know, just looking for sports photography stuff, how to shoot, how to become better, there is a section of our programming that is on YouTube. Um, if you go to youtube.com, look for Big Lens Fast Shutter, you'll be able to actually find part of our content called Training Ground. And what we actually do in Training Ground is that we basically just, you know, ask you to submit your photos, or we actually ask, we just submit your photos onto a thread and we critique it once a month. In order to actually join um, Training Ground, it's absolutely free, anyone can join. You just have to go to flickr.com and look for Big Lens Fast Shutter, just search for it. You'll find the, um, the group and there you can submit your photos to the uh, Training Ground and that is every month. And now it's mm, whatever it is we're gonna be talking about. In Masterclass, we pick a topic in sports photography and we serve it on a plate to your ears. You got something to say? Tell us that. BigLensFastShutter.com So, Masterclass, we decided, as we always do, that we are going to talk about backlit. There's an expert at backlit because he just shot some backlit stuff in the past month so he can tell you all about it. Here is Matt Cohen, (laughs) who is going to talk to you about Backlit. Backlit expert. Backlit expert, yeah. So shooting backlit is important in a lot of different situations. And we've we've talked about especially shooting things where people are wearing caps or helmets, cowboy hats, things like that. Like if you're shooting it at 1 p.m. and you have these really bad shadows, really the only way to do it is to let the sky blow out and hope that you can get something in the skin tone that's kind of a how do i make this situation as advantageous to me as i can and not have a ton of work to do in photoshop after or not have a ton of white helmets and black faces but there's another way to use backlit as a creative element and that's what we want to talk about today and it's funny because this is a little bit of an well it's actually a lot of an embarrassing story So this was, the rodeo that I just got home from was in Clovis, California. And I've shot that, it was my eighth time shooting that rodeo. And they have the same schedule every year. They have the only place where I go where they have a weird kind of starting time. Usually rodeos will start at 1 p.m. or 2 p.m. at the best or at 7 or 7.30. So you're either getting the midday sun or you're getting pretty bad arena lights or even if they're really good arena lights it's still arena lights this rodeo is different in that they have the rodeo arena is right in the middle of a neighborhood and so they have sound ordinances so when they want to have an evening performance it has to start at a weird time like 5 30. so i've shot this rodeo for eight years seven years before this and only this year did i look at the light and say oh yeah i've been shooting with the light and i have these really pretty golden pictures But if I shoot from the other direction, it's going to look a lot cooler because it's going to be backlit. 
And so I tried that and the pictures are amazing. There's really nothing else like them. Um, you can go, I guess probably Instagram would be the best if you want to go see examples. We'll probably put a couple up in the blog post for this. But when you combine things like dirt in the air or if, you know, if there's moisture in the air or spit, like I have pictures from a few years ago of fans at a Raiders game and they're all backlit. And when the fans are yelling, you can see like the spit coming out of their faces in ways that you wouldn't if you were shooting normally, you know, front lit. The way the light goes through things like horsehair and bronc reins and fringe and things like that end up looking really interesting. And if you do it right, you get this just beautiful golden wash that goes all over everything. So this is rare, obviously, because not a lot of sporting events are going to be outside and starting at 530. The reason they start early is on the weekends to give them more time and at night it's so people will have a chance to get home from work so this is rare like maybe you'll get an after school game or something where you can try this and you definitely should but it's not the most common thing but the other thing that you can do is it doesn't have to be backlit sunlight it can be backlit floodlights and so an example of this when I shoot baseball games and I'm in a sunken position either behind home plate or behind one of the bases there are times when if you're shooting somebody who let's say they are in the dugout or let's say they're in the on deck circle where you can move a little bit and you can get them completely backlit from the arena lights and so there's a lot of cool things that you can do there either silhouetting or using the lens flare or just completely letting the lights blow out and getting the skin tone right but there's a lot of creative options when you do it that way. And the bonus is that the pictures look cool and it doesn't occur to other people all that often. And the evidence in that is that it took me eight years to figure out where I should be shooting to get the best pictures that I possibly can on those nights where they shoot, where they, um, where they start at weird times. So look around and don't always think, oh yeah, this light is really pretty. I'm going to shoot with it because a lot of times shooting against it will be more interesting. And if you're going to do one, you should do both because you want to be able to demonstrate to the people that are looking at your pictures that you know how to control the light from both sides. I just want you to shoot into the sun. <laughs> just, you know, you look up and if the sun is facing you and if you're basically blinded by it, you're in the right position to do it. Okay. So I know that like we have a lot of information that we want to share with you and we have a lot we want to teach you and everything. And then you get all confused and give us shitty photos. So um, shoot into the sun. That's called backlit. If you have, if you just want to know what backlit means, just Google it. Okay. It's very simple. Just Google it. Have a look. If you don't, if you know, if you didn't know about this, that's absolutely fine as well. No one's actually accusing you of like not like knowing everything. Like I didn't know a lot of things. Like I don't, so I still don't know anything. So just Google it, have a look how it's actually done. Do Google image search, whatever, and just see how it's how it's done. And if you just do backlit sports, maybe you, you can actually find some uh, Google images that way as well. So just have a look how it is, and make sure you take. That's the first stage. Is that that's like the absolute bare minimum. So from there, you have to create a great image. Yeah, nobody, like if you do the bare minimum, none of us are going to say, oh, good, yeah, that's good, you, you, you accomplished the task. We're going to say, yeah, you accomplished the task, but this picture sucks. 
Yeah. So accomplish the task, but it still has to be a good picture. Yes. Like you ha- it has to it has to absolutely be a good picture. Because otherwise, like you know, it's just a no-no. I guess is that it? Yeah, it doesn't have to be the sun. Like I said, um, you know, you can do it with floodlights. You can do it with. Well, I don't care. You can do it with anything. Any kind of light that you have, use that in the back, and it'll be good. Yeah. So that ends our very exciting masterclass. So hopefully you get it. If you don't, just search for backlit. what this is uh this is for people who are pledging uh to us which is giving money to us at the patreon.com slash blfs and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash b-o-f-s if you give us ten dollars or more each month you can ask us questions i mean it's a fantastic opportunity no Matt Cohen was actually talking about the fact he had to answer a lot of questions at his uh, workshop. And here, you can ask him even more questions. So, pledge cues, yes. Yes, you have to ask questions. You get to, you have get the right to ask questions. So, this is Rebound Photo. I was at an NCAA tournament basketball game. That is this big basketball, university basketball tournament they have in America. Uh, last weekend, I noticed two things. First, almost all the photographers were using Canon, and I just can't relate to that. And then I noticed that many of them were wearing foam earplugs. My question is, why the earplugs? I never thought about it while doing photos, and I've never tried it. Maybe they're doing it because the music and the PA stuff is really loud, but is there more to it like improving mental isolation and concentration to make better photos? I put my head, I, I had headphones or earphones all the time when I travel. When I'm shooting, when it's too loud in the back because, you know, people get quite rowdy in football matches, I just put them on because it's just too loud. I guess I can better concentrate that way. I just think it's so loud sometimes. I just, I just need them. You have music playing? No. So what kind of headphones are they? I just like, just, ha- no, just like I have uh, noise canceling headphones. Oh, uh, okay. I usually don't put the noise canceling on. I just actually put it, cup it over my my uh, ears where well, I just have so like, just like you know earphones yeah exactly because okay. it is too loud you know yeah. and I don't really want to like yeah yeah that's it, <laughs> that's it. yeah so I I shoot NCAA basketball a lot and yes it <laughs> I wear foam earplugs from beginning to end and I don't like to have to do that but I I, I don't I don't do well around really loud noises <laughs> at all and in a gym where there's no nothing at all to absorb the sound and you have the squeaking of the shoes and the crowd and the the horn and buzzer and then the marching band i'll you know i'll be in a straitjacket if you know if i don't have earplugs for all that it's just you're in there for 3 hours right and you have to work the whole time and you're on a deadline and that's it's not, I wouldn't say it's stressful, but it's like, it's not a walk in the park, you know, like all of those things. And then plus having job responsibilities is that's what you do. That's what you get paid for. And if you like, for me, I would not be able to do my best work if I was listening to that stuff for hours on end. There's no way. So for basketball, 
I do that. I don't do that for any other sport. And the reason I don't is because I would rather hear what's going on because a lot of times like in football, something will happen behind the play. So let's say a quarterback drops back to pass and I'm shooting him and then he lets go of the ball and then I'm recomposing and trying to find where the ball is going and who's going to catch it. And then let's say the guy misses it. And then after he misses it, I hear the crowd on the other side getting louder. And then I know that something's going on. Maybe two guys are pushing each other or maybe somebody's celebrating, knocking the quarterback down or something like that. If you had earplugs on, it would be very difficult to kind of stay in it to, to be able to react to sound cues like that, um, which I think is important. But um, so I don't do it for any other sport, but it's just because of the enclosed nature of basketball and the fact that it's all hard surfaces and the marching band. I mean, like Cal has a full on brass band and it's brutal. Yeah, it's like it's just loud. absolutely brutal. And so I, I can't do that at all. Um, I had a, I had a weird experience recently. I found I actually at just the last rodeo that I shot, I found a spot where I could get way closer to one of the barrels for barrel racing than you would ordinarily be able to be in safely while it was going on just because I could shoot underneath part of a fence that was close. But the problem Mm. was that part of the PA system was angled exactly where I would, you know, where I was laying down for 10, 15 minutes at a time. And it was way, way louder than, than was comfortable for me. But, you know, I, I was, the pictures that I was getting were good and I, I didn't want to give that up, but I'll definitely know next time to bring a pair of the, the foam earplugs with me for that. But you can get those at any drugstore. They're, they're almost free and you can just keep a few sets in your bag. Like at the beginning of a basketball season, I'll figure out about how many games I'm going to shoot and I'll put, you know, 15 or 20 pair of those in my bag and they don't weigh anything and they don't cost anything. And it's good to have. As far as cannon, I, I can't think of anything less interesting than talking about Nikon or Canon, so I'm just not going to. Um, just bring any earphones or headphones. If it's just like muffled sound, like that's really enough. And I don't want to like like miss everything because like being able to actually like hear crowd reactions to certain things is actually quite important to me because I don't have heads, you know, three sixty and if I'm actually shooting very if I'm shooting with a long lens and if I'm not shooting like 7200 and it's right in front of me, I might actually be missing something that's that just happened like off the camera. And I need to be able to react because I don't want to actually have it completely muffled. Yeah, it's basically for concentration reasons, you know. It's not very it's not very like cool or whatever. Just just for convenience sake. Go to Michael K. As sports photography is an avocation for me, most of the paid work I do is on the basis of handshake and an informal promise of payment at a nebulous point after delivery of the pictures. This has worked well to date, but as I'm getting more requests from minor leagues and college teams, congratulations, and thank you, I mean, you're welcome, I feel the need to formalize arrangements to protect both parties. Maybe I'm overthinking, but it just feels the right thing to do at this stage. When did you start incorporating contracts into your business, and how did you go about developing your standard contracts? I'm looking for a good example to start from and customize. As always, thanks for your help. Contracts. Okay. Usually, so, they give me contracts. Yeah. I don't really send them contracts. Yeah, that that is true. At the, for me, at the beginning, at least, that was very true. I didn't have to do anything. I don't even remember for years because it was all just anyone who wanted to work with me, it was basically, they saw 
my pictures and they said either we want these pictures or we want you to go here and shoot this and you know sign this and here's what you're gonna get paid or something like that like for most of that work like if you're working with like any kind of big organizations for me it was like you know when i was doing stuff for discovery channel it was always their contract when i did work on the movie that i did work on they had a contract for my ongoing clients who i work with year in and year out I paid a lawyer to to come up with it's it's basically just a personal services contract and you can find one you know just google it you can find examples of personal services contracts and then you know you can even do most of the work customizing it because it'll probably be in somewhat of a formal legal language and then you can maybe change it around and then pay if you know a lawyer if you know if there's a local one to you or something like that just you know, pay them a couple hundred bucks to go over it and say, you know, am I leaving myself open for anything here? But this isn't super complicated and it's not super expensive. This is one of the few places where it's not that hard to get it right. The hard part is expecting people to live up to the contract and when it goes bad, avoiding court is, you know, like explaining to them why they should just pay you rather than going to court ends up being uh, kind of a difficult thing sometimes but you know if you're looking to cover all your bases that would be my advice google personal services contract download a bunch of them you know read them around and maybe customize them and then have a lawyer at the at the very end of it you know just look it over and make sure that you're not making a big mistake so like i work with brands like nike unitas like they usually send me a contract and they're usually quite good with like you know paying because they're companies and even smaller ones i've never really had to send one to them i get the what is that the 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 ones you have to like not you like the one you can't say anything about the ones they actually send you and say you can't talk about non-disclosure yeah uh the non-disclosure stuff that i i get quite a lot i signed a lot of them and then i just gonna you know put it somewhere and just don't talk about it I probably even say I probably shouldn't even say the fact that I even signed a non-disclosure. Well, you didn't say who you signed it with. You know what's really hard is shooting great pictures and not being able to post them for X number of months or whatever. Yeah, that's like that's like my that number sucks. one pet peeve right now. Yeah, and you can tell my life really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else contract-wise? Just make sure you have somebody look over it. Like if you don't know exactly what something means or something like that, it's very easy to to put something in there that you think is protecting you that's really not or whatever. So th- the reason I said it this way, do most of the work yourself and then have somebody look at it at the end so that you're not paying them to create it from scratch. Especially like rights and things like that's quite important, right? That's like the yeah. main thing. Like if it's yeah. a licensing thing or if yeah. the, if you have the copyright, like that's probably the most important thing more than anything else. And like how much you get paid. You know, like that kind of shit. Simon West is asking, seeing the announcement of Smug Mug buying, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I might actually talk about that as well. Buying Flickr got me looking at Smug Mug as a way of displaying and selling my images. But before I jump in and set up an account, do either of you use and can recommend a service to which you can upload your images for clients to view and purchase them? I have no idea. No, this. But I do know about the Smug Mug buying Flickr. Thing. Yeah, I, I don't. Big news. I don't really have any kind of. Uh, you know, comments on Smug Mug buying Flickr at all. I don't use Flickr except for this anymore, and I don't really care. I've tried to use Smug Mug a few times. It doesn't work for how my business works, but my business is 
not normal and the way i do things is you would not start from scratch doing it this way so my thoughts on swag mug are not valid because yeah your business is not like mine what i would say is that i know a lot of people who do use smug bug and you know if if you can get your head around how their workflow is and if the amount of money that they take or whatever is you know acceptable to you then yeah you're not going to go wrong with smug mug because it has been around for as long as it has because people do like it so um mm. you know I, there's nothing wrong with it there's no like oh yeah nobody uses that or something like that's not at all how it is people definitely use smug mug they're big smug mug fans and you know if it works for you you should use it i don't even know like i got this email saying that they've been bought and but i have one, i have no idea like what actually then constitutes like not even constitutes, like what's going to happen after i have no idea the sales final and everything you know so but i don't think it's going to really change that much i don't know i, I mean well, I no I, it's probably going to change because they're going to want to make money on it because you know they're you can't make yeah. money on it the way it is so they're gonna to have to change something no. until then we'll, we'll keep on using Flickr because no other place really do it you know right so um you know how i do it i how do i show my pic i just make custom galleries my clients either give me a list at the beginning of the year of the people that they're going to want pictures of. And I make smart albums so that basically every time I caption a picture with that person's name, it goes into that smart album. And then they say, okay, well, we want to see everything from this year. And then I just select those and make a, you know, just a simple web gallery. And then they look at it and say, we want image number or whatever. And then I send them the high res. So it's definitely not, I don't know, the most efficient way to do it, but the volume of pictures that I shoot, if I had to edit every single one of them and put them on smug mug and then, you know, have them be ready to download or whatever would be very taxing on my workflow and my time. So basically I edit only the pictures that I need to edit when I need to edit them. You know, I just wait until my clients ask for it and then put it. The idea of having every picture that I've taken on smug mug just, you know, so that people can buy them and download them or whatever. Just that part of it doesn't appeal to me, but yeah. that's my business. It doesn't, it doesn't work. I like never that. even asked you. I just, I just send them like pictures. <laughs> I literally just do like send them pictures. I've never asked you to use any of these services. I've got no idea. Maybe I should, maybe I don't, I don't really need it. Kevin is asking just recently purchased set of wireless lights and I'm looking to learn more about portrait photography. Do you have any suggestions or resources that you know about? Like what are we like? Yes, yeah, strobist. Like, what is it? like? Are we? Do they asking like sports photography pictures or uh, questions or what? Portrait photography. I'm sure you can just Google oh, it. Yeah. No, I don't know. There's so the, many places you can go. Yeah, we're no. not going to spend a lot of time. Stro strobist, and I don't know. Look up Dave Black if you want to look at you know interesting ways to use lights for actual sports action. So, but he's asking about portrait photography. I know, but you know, he bought the he bought the lights. He may as well use them for something good. You know, so uh, Strobist for portraits and Dave Black for lighting arena stuff. Yeah. The last question is by Bob Dalberg. I shoot mostly sports with unlimited access. Good on you. High school or less popular college sports. It's that's really, really good. So your thoughts, checklist of ideas to place yourself, time and place for the most rewarding photos. Well, that's a yeah, that's really too, general question. Too, too open ended for sure. 
So, Bob, um, we ask you for next month that we want a more specific question because that's way, 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 way too general. I'll, I'll say this. Basically, you know, the more you know about the sports that you're shooting, the more you can figure out where the high impact areas are. Like if you're shooting soccer, like you can just look at the field and you can see that the area like around the six yard box where the goalie is and, you know, where a lot of defenders are clearing the ball and a lot of strikers are shooting or whatever, that's going to be a high traffic area. And maybe at the the top of the 18 box and maybe at midfield. And then up and down the middle of the field is going to be more worn than around the flanks. And, you know, so you'll be able to look at it like a heat map, right? Where are players more? Where is the ball more? Where are the players trying to get the ball more? And then once you know where those areas are, then you can set yourself up so that either you're working with the best light or you're working with the best background or you're getting as close to the subject as you can. But these are all decisions that you need to make. We don't have like a set of of playing cards that have, you know, you pull it out for soccer and it's like, okay, you sit here at this time and then here. It doesn't work like that. Where you are is as important as what gear you're shooting with, what settings you have on your camera what sport you're shooting, all of that stuff. So these are decisions that you have to make. And how I would get to those decisions is, again, knowledge of the sport. Where is something happening? Where would you want to be if it did happen there or when it did happen there? And then refine based on the results that you're getting. Does the light suck? Are you not able to get enough light on the faces of what you're shooting? Is there a big ad board in the background? Is there a parking lot in the background? Are there people standing around looking at their phones in the background if so then you want to go somewhere else but these are all things that that's your responsibility like we can teach you what to look for but what you need to do is when you get there to go shoot you need to figure all this stuff out for yourself we can help you do that but those choices are fundamentally your choices so i might just give you a very general answer for a very general question so next time Please ask us a more specific question. We'll be happy to answer them because we like answering questions. That's it for uh, Pledge Cues, and uh, we'll be waiting for your wonderful questions uh, next month. Um, so please start asking them on our Flickr.com group page. So if you want to get more information on this wonderful questions and why people are asking and who they're asking, please go to Flickr.com. Look search for big lens fast shutter and you'll be able to actually find them easily uh, just want to thank you for the people who've been um, very generous and giving uh, their really hard-earned money to us via patreon please go to patreon.com slash blfs and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash b-l-f-s and off we go to the final stretch Think we only say bad things about sports photography? Yeah, that's probably true. You say we got no soul? Maybe also true. Hell no. We're going to prove you wrong with... Cross counter. (laughs) Time to hold your fellow sports photographer's hands as we tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. Reed Neurider and also my friend John Dennis Batista sent me this um, photo or sent this article on uh, Deadspin. 
And the title, the headline is The Story of the Greatest Photo from the Greatest Game Ever Played. And it's a story uh, of a baseball game. So this is how it is. Game 7 of the 1960 World Series between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the New York Yankees has been described as the greatest game ever played and the best game ever. Entering the bottom of the ninth, the score was tied 9-9 and Bill Mazeroski was leading off. So it's a baseball game from 1960 and there's a picture of a guy hitting a baseball and Matt Cohen will take it from here. We run into this a lot because there's a lot of historic pictures that people always talk about how great they are, but most of the time they're just great moments and either not a great picture or just super limited by technology. But let this picture is a good example because for me, uh, I was born less than a mile away from where home plate is right here. I should really be into this picture more than I am. You know, Pittsburgh, Pirates, Mazeroski, World Series winning home run. But the problem is that it is a great moment, but it's not a great picture. The reason it's not is that even though he has all these great things going for him, like the old buildings in the background and the trees and the old scoreboard and no sponsor billboards and an angle that you wouldn't really be able to shoot from now because it would be seating. It's not that interesting. Like, think about a picture that you took and if somebody was discussing it, would you want them to have to put a yellow dot around the most important part of the picture? I definitely would not. To me, the picture should speak for itself. And if this picture was so great, then that dot wouldn't be necessary because it would be so obvious yeah. what was happening. I don't need, I don't want to have a picture have to be annotated for me to understand that crosses over into learning. <laughs> you know, it's like, teaching instruction or whatever like that's not art art shouldn't have to be explained by the artist it can it might help but it shouldn't be necessary but if you took this yellow dot off of here people would look at this picture and be like what the hell is going on here it's a great moment it's important it's good that this guy was there to catch it it's good that he thought of a cool place to shoot it from or whatever but it doesn't make the picture interesting in fact i'm just noticing this now but the guy, I guess, who's in the kneeling in the on-deck circle, who, that might be, I don't know, that might be Roberto Clemente. But anyway, having that guy there really makes this picture significantly worse, as does the guy who's cut off on the right edge. I, I just don't think this is a very good picture. It just happens to be from a great moment. And, you know, we've seen that recently with many pictures, um, the Cubs World Series celebration and definitely many other ones so don't get caught up just because a picture is famous or somebody says it's great or something like that it still has to be a great picture even completely divorced from the context of it and that was really like it, it because it happens every single year when we see the uh, the best hundred photos from 2018 or something like that and you're gonna have all these moments that were very very big the super bowl win world cup win something winning someone like crashing into someone but like these are like just it's news story and news photo it has nothing to do with how great the photo is and that's very important because i always believe in the fact that the most of the stuff that i'm going to shoot the most of the stuff that I'm, I'm very proud for people to actually have a look at are quite um they're called evergreen photos and what that means is that even if you like look at the photo 10 years from now, you will still think it's great. You will still think it's beautiful. It's regardless of 
how the, the, the game was played, what the result of the game was, doesn't really matter. I just want to create the best picture possible. So that's the whole, the continuation of that the process of actually me being a sports photographer is just, it's just exactly that. I don't know, like, I understand, like, what the sentiment is, like, what, I guess, like, it's a really catchy headline as well and everything like that, but I don't want you to really, like, I want you to really just think about that really well. And the significance of the game or significance of the moment is not going to make it a very great photo. Case in point, was the sports photographer of the year thing for, like, one of the... Was it? When was it? Was it um, for the World Cup? No, it wasn't for the World Cup. It was for, was it last year? Beckham from New York Giants. I forgot his first name now. It's not David Beckham. What's his name? Odell Beckham. I always think it's David Beckham. Odell Beckham had this crazy catch. We talked about it like ad nauseum, but like that got an award. And for me, that should never, that's such a shitty photo. And recently we had this, uh, uh, Christian Rado had a um, uh, bicycle kick. And it was a really fantastic bicycle kick. And the photos that were there that we've got to see are really just not very good photos. But people are hailing it as a really great photo because of the fact that the moment was really important. The, the, the acrobatic play, how he scored, the, it just was amazing. But the photos are not very, very good. But people kind of get confused between like great moments and great photos. So I thought that's really an important thing to really talk about just because of the fact that people do get quite confused with the two things. Please send in uh, your recommendations, suggestions for CrossCut. We're always, always, always looking. And it's always quite difficult to actually find pictures that we can talk about. So this was actually a good one. So thank you, Reed. And thank you, Deej. That was very, very good. And with that, we end the 71st episode of Big Man's Fashion can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFashion.com so that you will miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please rate this podcast on iTunes, and obviously if you have that dollar in your pocket, please donate it to us or pledge to us at patreon.com slash blfs and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blfs to recap facebook blog itunes and patreon rinse repeat love us more see you next month um uh uh listener q uh huh um so um and before we start yeah but i just need to like hear but it doesn't like your it doesn't like the the rest of the you know you know that's i'll I, i'd like to as the picture um off you know um so all right so we uh as sports photography uh, with frustration anger and everything else uh um, um uh, just to make it like because I don't want you to you know so uh, <laughs> um for for most of um because I, I, I you know it's hard so um yeah because I because I, <laughs> you can and um alright so Matt actually didn't record this like I, I was he didn't 
So he's going to basically say whatever he said, but it's going to be a bit condensed format. Um, so we will never know, ever, what he actually... It was good, it was interesting, you know, I was kind of like off and on about listening to it. It's very interesting. Um, but uh, we will never really get the full kind of everything about what he talked about this photo. Oh, and, and, and how... Wait, hold on. 